Hey, 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 welcome back again to another episode of the Mighty Doctor Movie. I don't know what made me say mighty. It just felt good at the time. Hey, if it feels good, do it, right? That's what we believe. Maybe that should be the Doctor Movie motto. Doctor Movie, if it feels good, do it. Yeah, I don't know. That's a ring to it. Uh, you know, we talked about Deep Red. And you kind of have to, I mean, that just automatically moves you into the next subject, which is where everybody will kind of go, how is this not your favorite Argento film? Because it is his most popular, without a doubt. Um, even with the remake that came out just a few years back, this is the movie he's known for. And uh, we have to talk, and there's, there's nothing really more to say about Suspiria that hasn't already been said. But uh, I've never really talked about this movie anywhere, so... Uh, here we go. We're going to talk about Suspiria from 1977. And it is classified as a horror slash mystery. Um, this is the movie where the old, the old argument comes up. And this is why this movie is so divisive, right? Because can horror be art? And can art be horror, right? Well, this movie makes you go, yes. Right, you're taking all the elements that that Argento got from Mario Bava and putting his own spin on it, and you know, giving it a, a '70s edge brings you this creation. Which to me, this is the forefather movie right here that that brings you all the A24 films that we are now enjoying because they have that sensibility about it. Right, it's kind of like that, and and. What what's the right word for it? Grown up horror. They're they're not teen movies. They're more art centered. They're more uh, serious, thought provoking, right? Uh, boring to some people, but to others, they're a piece of of art that you walk away with, and you really can't get it out of your mind. That's really where I think this movie sits. So if you're not familiar with Suspiria, uh, let me give you a little rundown. Uh, Susie, who's played by Jessica Harper, which, you know, we're not going to talk a whole bunch about the cast, but Jessica Harper got this role because she was in my favorite movie, Phantom of the Paradise, and uh, Argento was just really intrigued by her eyes. She's got these really large eyes. And uh, anyways, she plays Susie, and she travels to Germany to attend a ballet school. When she arrives on a late and stormy night, no one lets her in, and she sees another student fleeing the school. And uh, it turns out, while that student is leaving, she's murdered. And then uh, from there on, Susie gets into the school, and you're finding out there's a whole secret going on of why this girl was killed, right? This is Argento taking the giallo and just turning it on its head and taking it in another direction. Another reason why this movie is so popular. Um, well, there's many reasons why this movie is popular. He's really focusing in on, you know, I talked about in Deep Red how you really started using, you know, uh, objects and, and uh, clues to what's going on and just showcasing them in a way that's never really been done before. This whole movie is this way. And uh, 
this is, you know, again, him taking everything that he's learned and just turn it up to 11. And then hiring a rock band who changed their name to Goblin to do the soundtrack. In which, you know, they did the soundtrack for Deep Red, so that was the start of that. But the soundtrack of this is really unlike anything else out there. It is genuinely scary. If you're driving in your car or sitting at home and you just throw in the soundtrack to this thing, it's going to wig you out. <laughs> it's some creepy stuff. So, and one of the factors, too, that I love about this is they said when they would shoot a lot of the real traumatic scenes in this movie, they would have the soundtrack playing on a system in the background just as loud as they could play it. And it would just totally unnerve everybody. So trying to get that reaction for everybody. So uh, such a groundbreaking movie. And again, I know it's not everybody's cup of tea. It's not even, again, not even my favorite. But there's no doubt that I appreciate this film. Matter of fact, Danny from Hail Ming and myself and Bo Ransdale, pretty much uh, Jeff X. Martin and Cootie, we, we all got together. Uh, there was a bunch of us. And we all went downtown Nashville to watch Suspiria. They found a lost copy of this movie. And they were showcasing it in certain theaters. And we all got to go see it. And it was, it was amazing. I couldn't imagine going and seeing this back in 77. And the impact it would have had on crowds at that point. Because it is truly unnerving. Even, even in today's standards. But you have to stay with it, right? It's definitely got that 70s slow burn about it. Which is what a lot of people don't like. Because we, we, we grew up on the 80s teat, right? We grew up on that 80s cocaine-driven movie, you know, program where everything is fast-moving, right? Everything's at a, at a fast click. Well, the 70s wanted to drag you into things, right? And give you more of a sense of dread instead of just a, a shocking, you know, surprise. That's really what's different between the 70s and the 80s, which I talk about a lot on this show. It's a different style of movie-making. But this is that... This is that bridge that happens between the two of them, and it all happens in this movie. And uh, it's done so well. I, I love the fact of even John Carpenter. You know, when you see other directors talk about this movie, John Carpenter talks about when when Susie arrives at the airport and she runs outside, and the I mean the the wind is howling. It's a big storm, and she's trying to hail a taxi. And he's like, you know, he said, I'm watching this. He said, I'm watching the cylinders of the, the, the automatic doors at the uh, airport open and close in a manner I've never seen before. And then she steps outside in the storm hailing a cab. And he said, I am absolutely terrified and I have no reason of knowing why. That's movie making, folks. And that's what this movie does. It, it makes you feel like around every corner there is something. And... <laughs> There's so much mysticism about it too, right? So what's really different, we've taken a giallo and we put a story about witches in it, right? So we've taken it to more of the supernatural, which is a really neat twist. And again, that's why this movie's so popular. And the color schemes, the lighting, the soundtrack. It's one of those perfect storms where you can really see the art coming out of it. Gruesome deaths. Man, <laughs> 
These are some rough deaths. And what's weird about it, instead of it being a gloved giallo POV killer, you get these things like, you know, the, the first girl that ran out of the school. She goes and stays at a friend's house, and she's in the room by herself. She looks out the window, and these eyes are staring back at her. And all of a sudden, this arm comes through the window, and it looks like a human arm, but it's got these, I don't know, six-inch-long fingernails on it. It almost looks like it, it's partially a wolf man or something. And it grabs her face, busts it through the glass, and gruesome murder scene, right? She's, he pulls her out on top of the building, and he's stabbing her with a knife. I'm saying a he. I don't even know what it is. It, it's an it. But it's stabbing her. And there's even a scene where it's like her chest cavity is open, and you can see the heart, and you see the knife going into the heart, and it's sputtering blood. And he ties, I guess it's the phone cord or electrical cord around her neck, drops her through a stained glass ceiling window. And, again, the amazing thing about it, her her friend that actually has the room is yelling for help because she hears all this stuff going on. She runs out in the lobby and looks up and sees this girl's head sticking out of this stained glass window. And then all of a sudden the whole thing collapses and it kills her friend as well. And the other girl is, like I said, it's tied around her neck so she falls to her death by strangulation along with being stabbed in the heart and everything else that's happened to her. It's gruesome. And, uh, you know, it, it just kind of took things to a new level. This is maybe getting into slasher land. I don't know. It's definitely a, a predecessor to that stuff. And, uh, well, you're at 77, so you're right here at the, at the golden age of the beginning of what we call a slasher, right? But these, <laughs> these things, I'm telling you, they're brutal. Now, the off-putting thing about this movie that I hear most people complain about. One, well, they think it's kind of boring, right? Because it's not some mass lunatic running around stabbing people with a machete or whatever, right? There's more depth to it. There's more story to it. But at the same time, what's off-putting is the, the acting of the people in the movie. And there's a reason for that. I mean, you got girls that, I mean, these are grown ladies. They're, you know, in the mid-20s, whatever. And they're doing things like sticking their tongue at each other and calling each other little names, like little kids. And you're like, what is going on here? Well, that's the thing. When Argento and Dario Nicolotti wrote the idea for this, it was supposed to be kids. Little kids. And I, I can't imagine him trying to sell this and going up to the producers, which is actually his brother, and saying, I want to make this movie, and these kids go to dance school, and they're being hunted by witches, and that all sounds great, right? Heavily influenced by Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs. We all know that. That's where he got a lot of the ideas. That was, you know, kind of the, the background idea of what he wanted it to look like. And you can see it. Once you get that in your mind, you can see it. But they're going, wait a minute. <laughs> You're wanting to strangle a little kid through a stained glass window while the, the metal supports come down and kill another person. I mean, you can't do this to little kids, right? So if you watch this movie and you keep that in mind, and instead of totally changing the, 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 the script and everything, he just left it as is and messes with your mind about how these people act. Because even if you look at the doorknobs, the doorknobs are unusually high, even for a human, right? They're way higher than normal. And the reason why is when you're a kid, 
You remember walking up to a door and turning the doorknob? Well, you kind of had to reach up, right? Because you hadn't grown up to that level yet. Or it was right at your head level. Again, when you watch this movie, look at the doorknobs. They're, they're a bit odd, right? Everything's odd in this movie, and it's all on purpose, right? This is a true artistic you know, statement that he's making here. This is no different than Stanley Kubrick with The Shining. And really, that's a good comparison. I never thought about that before. But that's really where this falls. Is uh, It's that kind of artistic statement. And there's a lot to unravel in it, right? Um, again, this is absolute classic, right? With the... Uh, the whole ending where you find out what's really going on. The school, the, the the dancers keep getting knocked off. The things that start happening to Susie Banyan as the story goes on. Uh, you know, murders are happening and they're trying to find somebody to blame. And uh, it's just an absolute classic, folks. And I, I don't want to talk too much more about it because I really want you to check it out for yourself. But I think if you're going with the right mindset... You can be pretty much blown away by this because it's really a nightmare. That's really what they're trying to come across with. And you know how nightmares don't really make a lot of sense, but the things that really stand out to you, you never shake them. They're there forever. That's kind of how this movie is. There's things in this movie that, you know, visuals that you will never forget because it's unlike anything else you've ever seen. And it's beautifully done. Such a ironic statement, right? How can something be so brutal, so bloody, and so pretty at the same time? And again, that's why I say like all these 824 movies that have come out, they really come from this mindset of movie making. So if you're a fan of this one or not, a lot of the movies that we're getting now for the past, I don't know, 10 years or so really, they all owe a tip of the hat back to the original Suspiria because that's really where it comes from. Do yourself a favor track you down a copy. I've got, I've got a 4K transfer that is just amazing. Um, get the soundtrack. If you really want to unnerve yourself, throw this soundtrack on because it is just unlike anything out there. And uh, as far as the remake, you know, I thought it was pretty good too. Do I like it as well? I really don't. I can see where other people would like it better because it's modernized. But guess what? I'm a 70s kid. I like the 70s aesthetic. I think things were a little more loose. And it was a little more guerrilla filmmaking at the time. I like that aspect better than now where, I don't know, it just seems... It doesn't take as much effort. It's kind of like CGI, right? We're no longer amazed by special effects because we all know it's done on a computer for some reason. The wonder of it when we were young was you knew that somebody was making these effects, but you had no idea how, right? That was the magic. It's the same reason that people like magic, right? Once you figure it out, you're like, well, that's stupid. Well, that's where we are when it comes to special effects. They look amazing. Don't get me wrong. Uh, but when you when you see stuff now, you're just like, eh, it doesn't really amaze you anymore like it did. You know, think about the deaths in all the Friday the 13th movies and how we just go, wow, those are awesome. Well, you can do those now for nothing, but we're not amazed by it, right? Because once it's already been done, and two is we know that, you know, it's it's there's no work behind it anymore. It's all CGI for the most part. Anyways, I'll get off that that uh, soapbox. 
and get back on my Suspiria box. Uh, four out of five. I'm not going to say five out of five. For most people, it's a five out of five. For a lot of people, it's a one out of five. I'm going to give it a, a four out of five. That's kind of where it sits with me. Again, not my favorite Argento. And you can correct me if I'm wrong. If it is his best, let me know. I, I totally get it. I really do. Because I remember being blown away the first time I saw it, too. And uh, so we're going to keep rolling on with some more Argento stuff as we go. There's still several more I want to talk about. And until then, folks, uh, next up we will probably do, I don't know, the next Argento will probably be Tenebrae. Just keep it going, right? We just covered that one in the hell mean not too long ago. But you know what? It deserves to be thrown in this pot because of doing all the Argento stuff. Folks, that's it for this one. And uh, y'all take it easy, and we will check you later.